stand for the gospel reading. Gospel according to, to St. Matthew, the 14th chapter. Now, when Jesus heard about the beheading of John the Baptist, he withdrew to a <coughs> from there in a boat by the dis, uh, to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away, so that we, they may go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but... Five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the loaves, the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds and they ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over from the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. After hearing that gospel lesson, I want you to fast forward for just a moment with me. Fast forward to Jerusalem following Pentecost, to the story of Peter and John in Acts chapter 3. I'm not going to read the whole thing for you, but as they go to, they're going up to the temple to pray. And along the way, they encounter a man who, a lame man, a man who couldn't walk, and they perform on him a healing miracle. As before they do, as they do that, they, the man comes to them and approaches them first seeking alms, because that's how he survived, by begging. But Peter and John, they looked at him, and they said this, we have no silver or gold that we can give you, but in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he did. That was a powerful moment and a powerful miracle, that healing of that man. And, and it seems that along the way, Peter and John learned well the very lesson that they were taught on a hillside in Galilee when Jesus fed 
so many people with only five loaves and two fish. And what Peter and John learned then, we, we need to learn now, or relearn, or revisit again at least, so that we would be like them, obedient and faithful disciples in our own time. Now, back to the gospel story. Let's find out, let's talk more about that. On that evening in Galilee long ago, Jesus and his disciples, are, they'd been working all day. They're hungry, they're tired. Crowds and crowds of people, you know, that can be exhausting, crowds of people. And, and, uh, and, all, and, there's, and there's so many, so many there. And they know it's time to eat. People are getting hungry. The disciples are hungry. And then the disciples do something weird. They try to boss Jesus around, which is something you wouldn't expect them to do. They get a little bossy. They say, Jesus, send them away. And they didn't say, maybe you should think about sending them away. They said, send them away. Getting bossy. Now, Jesus might have cracked down on that sort of thing, but he doesn't. He just takes it a little further. He, he, does a, he does a little switcheroo on them. And, and uh, while they would have sent all these people away to fend for themselves, because the need was huge, and it was time to eat, and they wanted to sit down around a campfire and have their dinner, and be away from all these people for a while, that wasn't what Jesus was doing at all. So instead of sending them away, Jesus teaches them an important lesson in discipleship. The first thing he does is he demonstrates a profound that he profoundly cares about people who are in need and about their needs, whatever they may be. He's not only caring about their spiritual needs, which we tend to think mostly about, I think, but he cares about their physical needs, their earthier needs that they have. He's been healing people all day. That's a physical need. But he also cares about the fact that they need to eat. They're hungry. People need to eat. And he looks out on this crowd and he doesn't see them as an annoyance or an inconvenience or a problem, but rather as an opportunity for ministry. Second thing is that Jesus not only, once he, that being the case, Jesus is moved to action. And he does something. Interestingly enough, what he does here, or more accurately, he commands his disciples to do something. He says, you give them something to eat. Well, that sets those bossy disciples right back on their heels. They were not expecting that. Who, us? What are we going to do? It's a very surpri uh, <laughs> a surprising twist to the story there. You give them something to eat. And then, of course, they have all kinds of stuff. How they react with surprise and concern. They think they can do nothing. They've only got these two these five loaves and these two fish. And there's so many people. Oh, what are you thinking, Jesus? What are we supposed to do with this? And what they forget is that they have Jesus' power. They forgot about that. They only looked at some, a few things. They didn't look at the whole picture. And what Jesus then does is he takes and he blesses those meager provisions and distributes them. And all are fed 
a great miracle occurs, a huge miracle. Not unlike the great feeding miracle of the Old Testament when, when God rained down manna from heaven on, on the people in the wilderness so that they could eat. God provides for his children. And in this case, Jesus provided for those people. Despite the, despite the doubts of the disciples, if you will, that this could be done. And not only just provides for them, but think about it. As, as uh, I, I think it was Catherine pointed out, or not Catherine, Grace pointed out a moment ago. There were a whole bunch of, there's a whole bunch left over. Twelve baskets full. That's a lot. That's a lot. There was abundance there. It's not just people got a little bit here, a little bit there. They got a lot. They got everything they needed and more. That's the kind of thing that always happens. There's always enough and more when God is present. The abundance of God's grace is always more than we ever ask or imagine. This particular story that we heard today is told six times in the New Testament. Six times. It's, it's that important. And... It's told all those times because it was so significant and because we have much to learn from it. The first thing we might, the first thing we learn as disciples is disciples see, see people's needs as opportunities for ministry. Now, we have a tendency sometimes when people come to us with needs, either at the church or personally. Sometimes we're feeling open and responsive, but a lot of times we're busy with other things. It's, a, it's an annoyance. It's inconvenient. In some cases, it might even seem like a big problem that we don't want to deal with. They can figure out another way to figure it, to get it, get it dealt with. I'm, I'm really not interested. What we're invited to see here is that Moments when they come to us with people in need may very well be moments that we should see through Jesus' eyes with compassion and care and, and use, see it as an opportunity to bring a blessing, however small it might be, in Jesus' name. Not to our glory, but to his. The second thing we learn is we realize that what we have is never nothing in the hands of Jesus. No matter how little it might seem to be. And we must never be discouraged by the needs of others. It can be overwhelming. The disciples were overwhelmed in that story. 5,000 plus people. They were overwhelmed. What we have, however meager it might seem, is never nothing in the hands of Jesus. And even if we can't do everything we might want to do or, 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 or wish we could do, <laughs> or, or, or uh, we could only do maybe a little something, we take whatever little we have, we put it in the hands of Jesus through prayer, and we can be sure that a blessing will come from whatever 
we entrust to Jesus and to the care of others. You do something, he says. You feed them. You pray with them. You help them financially. You do what you can. You do something. Third, the disciples learn that they have Jesus. Now, this, this theme is going to recur next Sunday when I'm with you again. So that, that's, this, little, this one point is going to come back again. We'll talk about it more then as well. But for now, we need to be clear as disciples, we live in the power of the Holy Spirit, like Peter and John after Pentecost. And we can do more than we ever imagined when we open our hearts and let God guide us. We are not restricted by our own limitations. And that, we can use our imagination. We can use the power of the Spirit. We have resources there beyond us that, are in, that come from God. And we can open our hands and hearts, open our hands and hearts to God and let God guide us. Jesus does not place demands upon his church or his disciples that cannot be fulfilled. He'll never ask you to do anything that's impossible for you to do apart from him. He may ask you to do some things that seem very unlikely you want to do, <laughs> but they're not very impossible with Jesus. You have Jesus. And this is the lesson that Peter and this is the lesson that Peter and John showed that they had learned well when they went up to the temple that day in Jerusalem and healed that man who couldn't walk. They used the power of Jesus and blessed them. Jesus is serious about meeting the needs of the world through his church, through you and me. And so today his voice resounds, you do something. We act in his name. We feel the needs that he feels. And then we respond. Now there's one more connection I want to lift up for you today. Jesus prepares us for this task. And he does it by every week that you're here. He's performing the miracle of his holy supper. This is preparation for this task, for this you-do-something that we're talking about. You'll notice in our gospel lesson today, Jesus' language in that reading echoes the language of the Lord's Supper. He took the bread and blessed it and broke it, and then he gave it, those four things. We'll hear those words again in a few moments. We're to hear in that story echoes of this meal that he had with his disciples and that we now continue to share whenever we gather for worship. And we learn through this meal when we come together here that Jesus sees our hunger for his love and forgiveness and strength as an opportunity for ministry to us. And he gives us his very self in the bread and the wine, his body, his blood. 
Not, in this case, to fill our bellies like that miracle long ago in Galilee, but to fill our spirits and our hearts with his very presence. But that's not something little. It may seem meager. Little bit of bread, little bit of, little bit of wine doesn't seem like much. But again, in the hands of the Lord, it's the fullness of Jesus himself for you and for me. His supper also assures us of his care and he brings us together as one because we can do so much more when we're working together in heart and mind for the sake of the world. So it's a unifying meal as well. And it anticipates that wonderful future that Isaiah talked about when we will all enjoy the abundance of God in, forever in heaven. But now in this world, before that time comes, disciples are to be Bread, given to the world, broken, blessed, broken, given by Jesus. We become what we eat. That is Jesus. There was a, one of the great saints of the church, St. Augustine, who some of you have heard about in the, bio, in the, in the, uh, in the uh, historical study that you're reading, um, and that we'll be doing in Sunday school. St. Augustine was one of the saints, one of the fathers of the church, so-called, back in the fourth century. And he was uh, very significant in the life of our Lutheran tradition because he was a, he, he, a lot of his theology was developed from the Apostle Paul. And then Martin Luther took, was, was, was very uh, interested in, in the teachings of Augustine as well as the Apostle Paul. And Luther was, of course, an Augustinian monk which is a, which is a, uh, a uh, monastic tradition related to St. Augustine. Anyhow, St. Augustine said this about communion. He said, you are the body of Christ in you and through you the work of the incarnation, that is making Jesus in the, into the flesh, must go forward. You are to be taken. You are to be blessed broken and distributed, that you may be the means of grace and vehicles of eternal love that is in the world. And he says this as well. If we receive the, the sacrament worthily, we become what we receive. And in receiving Christ, we become one body in him and through him, one with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Behold the mystery of your salvation laid out for you. Behold what you are. Become what you receive. Powerful words from a great saint of the church. And, and continuing, the, next, the Lord's Supper is not just about our individual need for salvation, which would often, you know, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. It has saving power. Yet it's not just about that, but it's about Christ's love for the world and all of its needs, spiritual as well as earthly. And we are offered to the world in his name, as we have said. And finally, the supper of the Lord may seem irrelevant and insignificant in the world's needs, just like those little 
those loaves and those two fish seemed insignificant and irrelevant to that giant crowd that the disciples looked out upon. We may perceive this in a similar way. But it is not. Not when the power of Christ's love flows through his gifts of body and blood given and shed for all. It has power. Power to shape the world. Had Peter and John not learned that lesson, that important lesson long ago, that lame man sitting by the temple would have remained lame, hopeless and pitiable. But like them, when we take this lesson seriously, not only our, your, <coughs> our lives, but those of others can in fact be blessed and Christ's name is praised in the world. You do something. You are blessed, broken, and given to be a blessing to others. Amen.